Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church, and happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, especially for those of you watching online, there is a thread that runs through our services today. It may not be as evident to you because here, here on campus, uh, we actually have a, a prelude that involves the restoring of an old car. We have classic cars out in the parking lot for people to see. Um, there, there are songs that are associated with all of that that's going on in the in-person services. And so the thread that is built into today regarding Father's Day is simply this. It's the the thread of restoration, God's ability to restore. Um, And it points to this powerful idea that regardless of the condition we find ourselves in today, none of us are without the hope of being restored. That Jesus meets us, yes, right as we are, but Jesus doesn't leave us there. And that's how powerful the love of Jesus is. And we wanted to talk about that today because certainly in a day dedicated to the fathers and the father figures of our lives, we see both the great examples and the painful ones when it comes to this. We know it's not all father of the year material out there. Many of us would say there are things in those relationships that require restoration. Yes, in our fathers, but also certainly in us. And the hope that we declare today is that God restores. God is a restoring God. And Jesus can take what seems completely lost and completely broken and dead and bring it back to life. And knowing that, I I thought it would be encouraging for today to have a conversation with a dear friend to me and to Cove Church, uh, Dwayne Peters. Because the story of your life to me is among the great examples of God's ability to restore. Um, If you don't know Cove Church, Dwayne has a long history here as part of our lives in this family. He has been on the church staff, eventually on the pastoral staff, uh, carrying out many different responsibilities. And then last year, along with your wife, Jasmine, uh, transitioned to the world of professional counseling, which is so cool where they have an office downstairs in this building and now are working on the deep places of people's hearts as, kind of, as your vocation. Um, Dwayne, just so you know, continues to be a blessing to me, uh, a blessing as part of our co-church shepherds team. And Dwayne, if you don't know him, is a constant source of encouragement uh, to me and to others. I see it in the way you love your kids, Delante and Jade. I see it in the way you love Jasmine. I see it in the way you love everybody that God brings across your path. And so um, I think we can, anyone who knows you might look at your life and go, wow, there's a guy who kind of has some things together, you know, there's, <laughs> I, I, they might say it, it's possible uh, <laughs> that maybe that guy's had an easy road, you know, he's, kinda, he's a nice guy and, and, uh, and, I, and that's where we'd be wrong, right? Um, Dwayne has not always been the upstanding specimen you see before you today. Uh, <laughs> in fact, 
when you hear his story, I, I believe that you will, all of us will once again find ourselves praising Jesus for the ability to restore. So please, for those of you watching online, welcome my friend Dwayne Peters. You can give him a big hand right where you are. Thank you. So we get to have a conversation, and um, the first question is really this. Uh, we experience your life and you as it is today, uh, and it's, it's a great blessing to be around you today. But your life wasn't always like this. So can you give us a sense of your story? Can you describe what life was like before um, God's restoring work really came into view? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm honored to be here. And, and such an important topic to me is, is the restoration of God. And it's perfect timing for me also because uh, I think sometimes we need to go back and we need to tell our story again. And, and just to see where God has brought me from um, and where he's taking me, it's a good time of reflection. So uh, I'm honored to be here and I'm thankful that this question in particular at this time was brought up and thank you. Oh, yeah. um, so I, um, I was raised in the church. Um, it was a kind of, uh, it, it was a lot about rules and regulations. And my parents at that time, they were um, just coming to know this, this Jesus person. Um, I, I won't get into their story at all, but but the God did a miraculous work in in them, and um, but the uniqueness of the religiosity in that uh, made it a lot about rules and regulations, which was very confusing for them, um, and even more so confusing for myself at that time. Um, I. Uh, I got saved at probably seven years old, did the whole prayer with my mom, and, and it was a, a beautiful experience. Had moments from seven to 12 years old where I experienced God here and there. I experienced moments where I felt like God showed up and, and gave me some sort of energy. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I experienced him on some level. But um, about 12 years old, um, I started running away from home. I, I couldn't handle the rules and the regulations. There was something in me that the heart just, I wasn't resonating with, with, with it at all. And, uh, and I was avoidant, so I would run away. And so I ran away many times starting at 12 years old I would sleep on the streets. I would at go 12, to you're just mm -hmm. out there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, at twelve. And there was something that was drawing me to it too. It was it was a really weird time. Um, but I would go to uh, my grandparents or or this person's or that person's wherever I could. Um, and with that, I think because because of the the rules and the regulations. Um, I was asking a question that I, I didn't know at the time I was asking, and it was really, does anyone see me? Does anyone hear me? And, um, and my answer at that time was no, so let's 
get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Pray for my parents. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> tough time for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so uh, that pretty much worked itself out through uh, middle school. Um, I started uh, dealing drugs in, in middle school at that time. And that pretty much went throughout high school, same type of pattern. But, uh, but it was also kind of unique in that th there was a, an independence that I was developing in all of that, where I didn't want to be dependent on anybody else for anything because I felt like I would be hurt, you know. Ultimately, that would leave me hurt because people would let me down. Yeah, and, and so I got a job. I started doing different things to, to be responsible, to do the good thing. Um, but it didn't really last. And uh, after high school, a core group of my friends who, you know, we were doing drugs and starting to develop a mindset about life that was more, um, I guess, uh, thuggish. It was... <laughs> that was the worldview. It, it was. Yeah. It yeah. was. We had a code that yeah. we lived by, um, and there was four of us, and, and we lived by that code, and we didn't really associate with people because we saw a lot of people as fake and disingenuous. Um, after something, you wow. know. And so with that mentality, uh, really I started developing this idea that um, I probably wouldn't live past 25. And, and with that mentality came uh, almost like this, uh, this drive to, to bring that to fruition. Okay. Like, Let's get uh, there. Yeah. Let's go out in a ball of flame. Let's, yeah, let's okay. yeah. And so after high school, and, and we're doing all the stuff through high school, I'm, I'm dealing and, and we're uh, doing some different criminal activities, nothing big. I think these were just, these were cries for help. I didn't really know what, what was down, what was up. Yeah. So, um, so when I got out of high school, that crew that I was with, uh, they all ended up going to the Navy. Okay. And I stayed in town for whatever reason. I think it was that independent spirit, you know. I couldn't do what everybody else is doing. I'm yeah. my own person. I don't need the Navy. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> that type of authority, I get that at home. <laughs> yeah. I don't want that here. <laughs> I want that from 18 other people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was that. And, and, but I felt alone in the world and in that it, it hurt it really stung um i couldn't articulate that at the time so what i did is i just started doing heavier drugs and i started um partying on campus and and doing um doing the wrong things yeah and so that progressed and got worse and it got worse um, ultimately, around the time I turned 21 is when I met my wife, Jasmine. Okay. Uh, she wasn't my wife, obviously, then. Yeah. And I didn't even know that she was going to be my wife until um, 
until I actually had gotten jumped by uh, a group of like eight guys at my house. And that was the moment you're like, I love her. Yes, I'm, I'm on the bottom of this pile. Okay. Right? I'm this is on a the beautiful bottom. love story. You, know, you don't hear this all the time. So I'm, I'm on the bottom of this pile getting pummeled. And, and through like the people, I see her with a shoe in her hand beating guys over the head. And I'm like, this is true love. <laughs> it she was got like, you back. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. It for me. It, it was that. Aww. It was like, oh, she sees me in my life, and and she's there. She's gonna stick up for me. Wow. And and that started a wonderful, complex relationship yeah. at that point. <clears throat> <laughs> and I didn't know it, but she at that time she was, um, in fact, for Jasmine, uh, she she has been, she was addicted to meth since eleven years old, and. Um, and I didn't know that the addiction was there. In fact, when I first met with her, uh, got with her, she, we were like, I was like, that is the one thing that I won't stand is someone who does meth. I have uncles who have uh, had brain damage from it. One of them's a, a career criminal and uh, just in and out of prison all the time. He's doing much better now and has actually found Jesus. Wow. Um, so it's, it's beautiful. but. Um, but yeah, at that time, it was just, I loved her. I was like, someone that's got my back, wow. someone that sees me in this. So I didn't know that that was all part of her story at that time. And um, then we were, um, we were still partaking in other drugs, and, and I still had the mentality, and I think that's one thing she was attracted to. Um, and so we bonded in that. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at 21, we, we start seeing each other. We start being faithful and, and getting together. And, uh, and, then, um, and then I find out that she was, she was doing meth the time that she was with me, about two years into the relationship. And uh, my independent spirit is like, you know, I open my heart to you. And, and this was a deal breaker. And this was a deal breaker. I communicated that to you. And, and so I was, I was pretty crushed. And I was like, well, okay, if, you know, in a way I kind of threw in the towel on life. Mm. It, was, uh, it was, the pain was so deep. And I didn't know how to deal with it. That essentially, I um, I decided that uh, well, if if you're gonna live like this, I'm gonna show you how this life works. Okay. And so then I started using meth, okay. and and that's where stuff went straight psycho. Yeah. <laughs> straight up psycho. Straight up psycho. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hit the ground running with my meth addiction. I started. Um, breaking into cars, stealing cars yeah. initially, and then graduated to houses. Um, and and everything was working out well enough. For a whole year, I was able to pay our, our rent solely off of what I was stealing. Wow. And that's, that's, there's no pride in that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a boastful thing. It's, yeah. 
I, I it's feel a sobering that. thought, isn't it? I, I carry that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so, but things started to get worse. Uh, I had family that would hire me essentially to to go collect for them. Um, but those are the types of things. That's the life that I'm living, and that's that. You know, I I wanted to. I think I wanted to be dead. I felt dead inside, and. Um, so there's a point then mm-hmm. um, that things change. There is an interception that Jesus yeah. performs in your life. What? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, about the time we found out uh, Jasmine was pregnant with my first son, Delante, uh, my first child, my only son, um, at that time... Uh, my whole world was rocked, right? Uh, and, of course, I'm 24 years old at this point, and so the self-fulfilling prophecy of being dead at 25, uh, yeah, I'm still an addict. I still have lots of, of issues. And at this point, um, me and her, she ends up going to Portland, and I stay here in Eugene, and I'm going harder than I ever was before that. And very quickly, you know, after going for years without ever getting caught, very quickly I racked up uh, about 15 years prison time, minimum, like right. stuff that they, they had me on camera, that the whole, they had everything. I was okay. dead to rights. Okay. Um, but I started getting caught and just, I couldn't even litter at that time. <laughs> Jaywalking. <laughs> Nothing. Taking the tags off your mattress, like what? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like that. And, and so, um, so we, uh, she's in Portland, she's watching my demise from a distance. <laughs> and, uh, and then after, fast forward just a little bit, my, my son is born. Uh, I remember I'm in the garage. He's about one years old. Um, I was up for probably three days at that point. And um, uh, I, was, I was hopeless and I was broken. And I had the charges hanging over my head. I had my son in the next room who's, who's starting to walk, and I can't bring myself to go in there and be with him. And me and Jasmine are having lots of issues. So there was really nothing going for me. So after this third night up, uh, and, and just in the face of all these things that are stacking on me, I opened my heart to to God, and it happened in the form of a of a question. And at this point, I'm 25, hmm. and I, I'm saying, God, I I need more than this. This is this is not enough. And I started asking him really great questions. Um, about life, about my life in particular. And just like I can hear your voice now, I could hear him 
speaking audibly to me. And um, it was it was life changing. At that point, um, my meth addiction was gone. I had no cravings for it. I I still had to wrestle through other things, um, but that that moment with Jesus uh, it was a taste of heaven. Wow. It was an interception. Wow. Yeah. It really is. It really is. He uh, he didn't talk like anybody that I had met. He talked as if it was someone who knows me, where I didn't even know myself. So the things that he was saying, um, it like tapped into experiences I had way back that never even never even would have thought of. And he just reached me on that heart level. So at that point, I was like, whatever you got, I'm all in. I'm all in. And that self-fulfilling prophecy of being dead at 25 was, was a real thing. But at that moment, I gave my life to Jesus. You allowed seed to die so it could be raised to life again. Yeah. It over. Wow. Yeah. That began a series of new directions in your life, right? I mean, it did. What, what are some of those pieces that started coming about after that? Wow. Um, Jasmine, ironically, Jasmine, that same night, Jasmine was in the next room ready to leave me. Um, but she was also crying out to Jesus. So we're in two separate rooms dealing with the same pressures and our hearts open to him at the same time. Wow. Wow. And he, he tells her to forgive me and, um, and he encourages me with a new hope and a new future. So we end up getting married and, and it's like, okay, now we know Jesus and everything's going to be great. <laughs> We're going to ride off into the sunset. No, no more problems. problems. <laughs> well, that didn't happen. <laughs> but we did have a wonderful wedding. We, we had all of our family there. There was a skit. It was all just for Jesus. There was music. It was a really beautiful experience. In that. And, and then that, um, so that first step, it opened up other steps. Uh, I remember at the time, uh, you know, there was a, a pastor who I was really just digging into, like everything, hanging on every word, and I was learning so much, and, uh, and then he ends up kind of getting in college, and, and I'm like, okay, well, God, if I can get under him somehow, get disciple, get mentor, I know that I could do great things for you. Uh, and, and then that week I found out that he had or taken over the college. So I went and applied and I remember walking out to the college and my pants are hanging way down past <laughs> my butt, <laughs> the baggy shirt. And I'm like, man, I probably, they're calling security. Yeah, on you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I'm like, I probably robbed half these people. What am I doing here? Like, this like, is... I know that guy. 
<laughs> guy robbed my car. I recognize you. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, and so then I got into the college. Uh, God started unlocking these these new gifts and these new passions, and and it just felt like the world was my oyster now. I could do whatever I wanted with Jesus. Um, so so yeah. And that's eventually our paths intertwined mm-hmm. after that too, yeah. which is cool. Um, you know, when I when I hear your story, and, and we've talked about your story quite a few times, but I, I do draw this connection to the Apostle Paul in, in some ways, just because here's a here's a person that became a great influencer in the church, but he had a past, he had a history. He he was a he was a thug too. I mean, he was he was yeah. a hit a hitman against the Christians. You know, yeah. he, he wanted to see them murdered and 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 had to feel what it was like to walk away from that life. And and so there was a passage I, I was wanting us to to look at together and wind your thoughts on. It's Philippians yeah. three. Uh, it says this: Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So for you, as it relates to your story, this amazing story that Jesus has written, uh, how, uh, what stands out to you about that passage for you? There, there's a lot, but I think, I think generally speaking, as it pertains to my story, um, when when I when I tasted, you know, the Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." When I tasted it, I was changed. I I couldn't, even if I tried to go back. It's like the shoes didn't fit. It's like the taste was bitter. Um, yeah, without being too too graphic, I mean, there were try- times where I would even try to use, and the most random things would happen. I, it wouldn't work, or you know, the utensil exploded in my hand. Like I, I just. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I just couldn't do it, yeah. even even when I wanted to. Hmm. But um, but internally there was a there was a shift hmm. that you know knowing him hmm. the way that I knew him at that point. It's like I wanted more. Yeah. yeah. I was I was so thirsty. Yeah. Just wanted more of of the living water. I wanted hmm. more of him. What does it mean for you? Um, the passage talks about forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what be, what's ahead. What does that mean for you? I wish I could forget. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Paul really means that he forgot about it, I, I don't think he's being honest with no. himself. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll take that out of there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trying uh, to forget. Yeah, yeah the, those experiences are real. And I live with those, those experiences. So knowing um, that, how do you strain towards what's ahead? Um, what I love about what Paul says is he, he says that um, that word straining 
it's, it's not an easy process moving forward. It's not an easy process walking with Jesus, um, forgetting the past and, and moving forward. It's a strain. It's a strain. It, it's painful. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something that, you know, you can try to avoid it and act like you're great, you know, um, and lack humility. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that just comes out really weird, and I never wanted to be weird like that because I knew him because and he just wasn't that. And so I think the the straining for me it it really just made me come in touch with the realities of life. You know, there's there's some things that that I just couldn't get around that that life was painful. Yeah. Life was hard work. Yeah. Life was uncertainty. Yeah. And as an addict, those are three things that I actively tried to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. uh, so I think it, it really he put me on this, this uh, trajectory to, to face the reality of my life. And it was amazing. I mean, uh, six years after those charges had been you know, filed, they were actually dropped. A miracle. It was a miracle. Yeah. And we, had, uh, we were going to a different church at the time, and ironically, one of the ladies at that church, she worked for the DA's office. Hmm. And she had told me um, after the charges were all dropped, she came up to me and she said, you need to know that this type of thing never happens. Mm -hmm. That for whatever reason, that DA agent that took on my case, he was retiring that year. And so anybody who stayed good, they fell to the bottom of the stack and the people who were habitual uh, offenders, he would just expediate their process and get okay. them through. And so hearing that, um, it confirmed what he had spoke to me, that if you just follow me one day at a time and one step at a time, I will take care of this. So never had the, the prison time, fortunately, um, that I deserved. It's really a beautiful thing. You know, that... You mentioned that upward call. If you were to put language to what that upward call now, after all these years and process and the, the seasons you've gone through, what, what would the language be for you? Kind of as our, I guess this would be our ending point of the, the discussion today. What would what would you say for you? What you would see that higher call as that upward call? For me. Well, I, I would probably go to Philippians 3.11. Um, I want to know him. That's it. That's a pretty good answer. I just want to know him. I, I believe wholeheartedly that he has things in store that I, I can't even fathom. And so the upward call for me really remains... Uh, it. it it's allowing myself to 
remain in the state of having an open heart to God. Just to, you know, forget all the religiosity, forget all the church stuff and, and what this person says or what that person says. Um, I just want to know him. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful. I, I get to experience that with, with church folks. Um, but they're not Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Starting right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really this weird, um, it's this really weird thing where, you know, I think Paul is bringing this point up because he, he's trying to, he's trying to process the resurrection, Right. What does this mean for me, even though I'm living? Yeah, yeah. And and I, again, I go back to the the uncertainty and the the you know the pain in life and the hard work in life. I, I think that that's the resurrection. Yeah. Is that the dying and the grief? It's, it is. Yeah. It's it's the death that you experience in real time with life. And if you you feel like you're dying, it's okay because you're growing and there needs to be things cut off. And I never wanted to be that guy that was bitter and, you know, cynical and angry at God, angry at life, and just, I I wanted to keep an open heart. So when I think of the upward call, I think it's, it's to know him. It's having a heart that's open and not closed. Well, I would absolutely agree with you. And I would, I would say that in your knowing of Jesus, in my friendship with you, it has helped me know him more. So I appreciate and admire you for that. Um, Thanks for having this conversation with us on this Father's Day. I know um, people that would meet you today uh, would would probably not pick up, uh, at least immediately, your story. And that it's just a a picture of grace. And so we're grateful for you sharing it with us. Um, Grateful for the honesty, for the love. Um, grateful for the way you love your family, your wife, your kids, especially on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Um, and you too. Yeah, thanks. And so um, thanks for the time together and for the blessing that you are to the Cove Church family. I'm honored. Love you, Thank friend. You. I love you. Happy Father's Day, Cove Church. Have an amazing Sunday. Take care. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.